Okay, and we're going. Action! Hey guys! Hey, welcome back. So this is we finally made episode. it. Yeah, we finally made it to a second episode. Um, neither Woo. one of us had such a hard mental breakdown that we just couldn't recover. Um, a lot has changed. My hair is blonde. <laughs> oh yeah, as you can notice, Gibby is still here and thriving. Oh, so. I don't know if anyone knew this, but Gibby is going to be joining us. Yes. This ep- He's going to be haunting actually, This episode actually has to do about Gibby and about Nickelodeon. Yeah, so today we're going to be doing... We're not going to be um, sensationalizing it, as more of we're going to be doing a sort of like um, representation or um, exposing these mistreatment of child actors in the industry. Yes. And so we have a lot of um, quotes and um, background stories from a lot of um, stars who have worked in the industry and have seen it firsthand. Yep, we just want to talk about the exploitation and how awful it really is being a childhood star and how hard it is. We want to just talk about the horrors and everything that childhood stars have went through. We don't want to um really put anything out there that isn't true so if there's something that doesn't have any resources to back it up we're just going to call an accusation Mm -hmm. yes i worked really hard to try and find um first-hand statements from each actor that is going to be mentioned in this video Mm -hmm. um we are going to bleep out certain words just to you know stay monetized (laughs) <laughs> yeah, stay monetized. Um, keep it kind of um, light and fluffy. I wanted to start off by saying shout out to Salone on YouTube and Ali Ranf on TikTok because that's where I got most of my information. They both talk a lot about different childhood stars and go into depth about their situations and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've spent the entire week just binge watching all of Salone's videos and really writing down good information from them so shout out to them this video would not be a thing if it wasn't for them (laughs) yes thank you for the true people who actually get the facts so yes um i did a little bit something different so originally we were going to choose different child actors and then we were going to discuss their separate experiences working in the industry but um soon realized that i wanted to go a different route so I got a couple of different like stories about um, just happenings in the industry and I'm going to share that and just how it can be grueling on these kids in many different ways that you probably didn't even think of. I did not do that. I went the original route that we were going through and I did a lot of research on certain childhood stars that have come out and ex- um, exploited the industry, I mean exposed the industry. And told their side of the story. So Hannah and I have not really told each other the information that we have written down. So it'll be a shock to both of us. But we're going to talk about the information that we both have and just go from there. And if I look, if I'm looking down a lot, it's because all of my notes are on my phone. Yeah, so she, you can tell what kind of person you are just by how you take notes. I'm old school. I wrote them all down. I just wrote all of my rants and thoughts 
on my notes on my phone. Yeah, so I am one of those people where when I am up um, on the podium, I'm just like, yes. So if I'm just looking at my paper, I don't like eye contact. So we're going to get into this now. Um, yes, Do let's you, you want to go first? Yeah, so I wanted to start off by talking about Miley Cyrus. We all know who Miley Cyrus is, Hannah Montana. Billy Ray Cyrus, you know, we all know who she is. Wrecking Ball, Banners, um, Flowers, Flowers. Best of Both Worlds, you know, we all know who she is. She started off in a small town in Tennessee with her father, Billy Ray Cyrus, who at that point was already famous for Achy Breaky Heart and all of his many platinum records that he produced. Um, Miley Cyrus saw Billy Ray in the spotlight and wanted to be like him. So she came to him at a young age and said, hey, I want to start doing acting. Her first big role was on the show Doc, where she played a character, Kylie. Um, Kylie was based off of her nickname, Smiley Miley. Now, Miley Cyrus's birth name wasn't Miley Cyrus. It was Destiny Hope Cyrus. And it was Destiny Hope Cyrus in all the contracts that she wrote for Disney. So for a very long time, her birth and legal name was destiny hope cyrus but everyone knew her as miley cyrus because that was her stage name on disney channel Mm -hmm. miley cyrus was used by disney channel and was the lowest paid actress on her own tv show on her own fucking tv show she was the lowest paid actress because they were making all of these miley cyrus branded products like miley cyrus barbie dolls miley cyrus bed sheets, Miley Cyrus books, and they could make all this money off of her name but not give her any of the products because it was a Disney-branded name. Right. So all of the Barbie dolls, all of the CDs, everything that they were making, she wasn't getting money from. None of it. None of it whatsoever. Um, Flash forward to, like, Three to, like, four years later, I don't know the exact time frame, she realized how poorly she was treated and decided to legally change her name to Miley Cyrus and re-sign all those contracts so that way she was actually getting money. But for, like, a good three or four years of the show, she was not making as much money as she should have. Like, Disney probably owns her, like, over $20 million worth of revenue for the products that they're making off of her name. That's messed up. On top of this, she was also the most overworked actress on Disney Channel. She mentioned on, she went on Joe Rogan's podcast and talked about the fact that she wasn't prepared to learn how to juggle her stardom life or her personal life. She would go from school to set, back to school and then to rehearsal for her tours and her concerts, and then have a concert at the end of the night. All while she was filming the Hannah Montana movie. So she had no freedom of her own. She was constantly working on Hannah Montana. It is insane how much free time that they had. Mm-hmm. Because, like, their schedule was morning, noon, and night. Like, when they weren't doing this, they were on to that. When they had a break, they were doing something during their break. Yeah, it was insane. She had no freedom. And she also came out on the podcast and talked about her her past drug addiction and alcohol abuse. 
she said that she was constantly burnt out and stressed out and she also felt pressure to smoke and to drink like all of the older actresses on Disney were doing at that time. So she said that she was constantly smoking and high on set and constantly drunk and hung over. And she felt very exploited through the media because at that time she was just a kid. She started Disney when she was like 12 and left when she was like 18 or 19. She was very young. She was still figuring out who she was. And that was all exposed through media. Yeah. She could not make a mistake without it being all of the headlines. Like the moment where pictures came out of her smoking a bond. And that was such a big deal. And people were saying that was going to end her career. She was a kid. We've all smoked weed. Yeah. We've all drank. We've all done it. Like, it's normal. But for her, because Disney Channel made her such this big role model for everyone, she couldn't make mistakes. She wasn't allowed to. It's They, put, that, you, they put you right under the microscope, and they yeah. analyze everything that you do. Yeah, and that must have been really freaking hard for her. And so Hannah Montana itself went through, like, three or four seasons, and then Hannah Montana forever... The spinoff, which was like the final two seasons, came out. Miley Cyrus didn't want to do it. She tried leaving Disney, but they're like, ha, surprise, we have you under our thumb. We have contracts for you. You can't fucking leave. Yeah. Yeah. So she was stuck, which is why she came out with Boehner's. So we had technical issues. Um, Hannah's video just cut off and it kicked her out um hannah's wi-fi is kind of glitchy right now so if we have technical issues throughout this video i apologize literally so basically where we were leaving off was um miley cyrus in her banners era so she was exhausted She didn't want to do Disney Channel anymore. She hated the character that they were making her be. So she decided to leave. And her way of doing that was becoming more of an adult and making actual music and content that she was proud of. And she came out with Banners. She came out with the song, I Can't Be Tamed. And she also came out with Wrecking Ball, which were two very big pivotal moments in her career. When she came out with I Can't Be Tamed, it was shocking to everyone because everyone was like oh my god hannah montana now she's saying that she can't be tamed she's saying that she can't be controlled oh my god what is this she's an adult she's being rebellious she's breaking out she's a she's being rebellious she was breaking out she didn't want to be in disney channel anymore so she was doing stuff that she was proud of but people were making fun of her about it and judging her about it because she was made to be out like she was made out to be this role model that she didn't want to be. Yeah. And now, of course, she is still the iconic Miley Cyrus and is still making iconic music to this day and doing many interviews and podcasts. And she actually recently just came out with a concert video, I mean, a concert film on Disney Channel. So she's back onto Disney, which is a big deal now. This is not about your conspiracy theories, okay? I know. I'm not going to talk about the fact that I think that Hannah Montana is coming back. Move I'm just past saying. it. <laughs> I'm just saying she's back on Disney Channel now. So they've rekindled their friendship. 
You're Shia LaBuffing. Okay. <laughs> so, another child star actor. Sorry about my crunching. I'm 21 now, so this is legal. Just wanted to put that out there. This is my social security card. <laughs> I was born on the angry orchard farm. I was, I was born on the angry orchard. I fell from a tall tree. No, no, no. You sprouted from the ground. I sprouted from the ground. I became a tree. And then they gave you a beer. And they're like, here, have one. You deserve it. Spice in your lives. <laughs> Anyways, so Shia LaBeouf went on a podcast called uh, the Hollywood Reporters' um, Awards Chatter Podcast. And he went on to explain that basically he didn't realize that he was experiencing PTSD from his time working as a child actor and then moving from, well, transitioning from a child star to a award-winning actor. Yeah. And so basically... A lot of the times, actors, um, well, child star actors, the want or need to go into acting and performing is stems a lot to do with um, the parents' need to um, have an income for the household. Um, a lot of the times, the kids do it out of obligation just so that they can have their family and... Um, provide for their family and so that case um, has a lot to do with Shia LaBeouf and he said in a very simple way to me having money meant having a family the more money I had the more I could have my family around that's just how I equated it he was pressured from a young age to ensure that his family was financially afloat basically he thought that if he wasn't doing this then he didn't get to see his family and that's, that's basically most, what it came down to. That's, that's how, how he thought it. Childhood, yeah. Yeah, that's how most childhood stars started out. They wanted to support their family. Yeah, and a lot of them don't realize that the reality of it is that, like, this isn't everything. Yeah, exactly. Growing up, this is how he saw it. Because he started on, um, as far as I know, he was as young as even Stevens. Yeah. Like, in the 90s. Um, and then he eventually went on. first break. Yeah, that was like his first big break in Disney and then he eventually went on to do Holes and everything and that he said that um, basically I was trying to earn my father. He thought that, you know, he had to keep going and he had to increase his production in order to keep his family. It basically became like a mindset for him and he just had to keep working and to the point where he was overworking himself he eventually started producing and writing his own stuff for like indie films and everything i didn't know that well i mean he's been in a lot of stuff i mean he's been in transformers um fury uh he eventually did nymphomaniac which is like far out from being a disney like yeah yeah but, like, good for him. Yeah, honestly, an icon. Um, he said that he recognized that a lot of the times family um, altercations or, like, fights um, were rooted because of financial issues. And so, in himself, he thought that, you know, it was his own fault that he didn't keep his family together. 
And so I feel like that has, um, that can really bear a lot on a, a kid's mental. Yeah, that's very traumatic for a child. I mean, coming from me with my family issues, I completely understand how that could affect him. He had to grow up way too quickly from being one in the spotlight and two, keeping his family life together at such a young age. It took him to the point where he um, had a run-in with an undercover cop and was sent to, um, what was it, open-ended court-ordered rehab to where he finally realized that where he fell off the wagon and he was doing all of these really um, shady behavior acts in front of the tabloids and he was all over the news and everything what he was realizing was that he thought that he was just through and through an alcoholic what he didn't realize was that he when he finally saw a therapist that he had an underlying ptsd just from being a child star and a lot of the times you know the industry will treat child actors or you know, young adolescents as if they are an isolated issue when they go out and misbehave because of all the mental illnesses that they are developing from not really understanding how the world works when they're growing in this industry. Yeah. And so a lot of the time they act out, but the industry doesn't blame themselves. They blame the child. It's an isolated incident. They are a problem. We see that with so many different childhood stars, like Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan, Lohan um, Britney Spears. Who we're talk about. Yes. So a lot of the times they see these kids acting out and they think, oh, they're, this is teen angst. This is just attitude. They don't take responsibility for what they've put on these kids. Yeah. It's PTSD and trauma. It's a trauma response. And part of it is them also wanting to get out of the control from the industry. Because mm-hmm. like we'll by the time they start acting out, then you know that like they need out. They yeah. finally realize that they are being mistreated and that they don't no longer want to be this perfect mold. Yeah, it's like Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. where she came out with banners because she wanted to get out of that childhood character that they made her. So she came out with the album that she was actually proud of and showed her like adult self and people judged her for it. When no, she was just exploring herself. And a lot of the times when I think of, um, I just realized that my mouse has been on my face this entire time. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, I kind of think of that too, because when I think of, um, Emily Osmond. Yeah. When she came out with Young and Hungry, I thought, she's a grown adult. Yeah. Grown adult, but yet I still saw her on TV and I was just like, you're having sex? You're doing what now? Yeah, I oh know, my goodness, this is very like explicit TV, but like this is just grown content. Like, yeah, because Disney makes Disney us. chooses. Yeah, Disney brainwashes us, and these they choose these style like childhood stars to basically represent them, and they make them into these characters and these role models, and they have to be totally perfect, or they get blacklisted. So when they leave the industry, when they leave like the Disney industry and move on to do other stuff that's like more adult when they're older, we are all shocked because for so long we thought of them as like these Christian role models when in reality 
they were just kids who were being totally controlled by Disney. She's going to serenade me now about who? Lindsay Lohan? And yes, I'm going to serenade um, Hannah Montana by... Hannah Montana? <laughs> I'm going to serenade Hannah by talking about Lindsay Lohan. I've been talking and doing so much research on Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana that my brain is just full of Hannah Montana information and is fried. Anyways, um, moving on to Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan was born in... You got your popcorn ready, you good? <laughs> my cheese balls. Everyone knows I love my okay. cheese balls. <laughs> Um, Lindsay Lohan was born in 1986. She grew up in Long Island with her parents. She booked her first role in a commercial at just three years old. Move on to have 60 roles in television ads and um, magazine ads before she moved on to Disney Channel. Um, 60? got her... Yes, over 60. Wow. Yeah, she um, first started only doing commercials. I did not know that. I didn't know that either until I was looking more into this. Um, She later got her big break on the movie The Parent Trap in 1998. We've probably all seen The Parent Trap. I would love to live Um, out the plot. She played, contrary to popular belief, she played both twins. Lindsay Lohan does not have a secret twin, you guys. Oh my god, people still believe that? People still believe that. I saw some some TikToks about how Disney Channel cloned Lindsay Lohan during the parent trap, and I'm like, no. Anyways, she played... One person played both twins, okay? It's just putting that out there. Um, she played both Haley and Annie. Um, she later then went on to star in many other movies because everyone, like, casting directors and agencies were so shocked with her acting skills to play both different characters. Um, at such a young age, she went on to star in movies like Freaky Friday on, on the Disney Channel in 2003. But her most known role, in my eyes, is Mean Girls. She played Katie Heron. Everyone that, knows that her could from be mean debatable. Girls. I think um, the Parent Trap. Yeah, Parent Trap was definitely her first big movie role, but a lot of people in our generation know her from Mean Girls. I feel like. Um, oh yes. The movie Mean Girls changed her life. She got several awards for both Freaky Friday and Mean Girls and The Parent Trap, and just rose to fame immediately. Everyone loved her. Everyone was obsessed with her, especially the media. Um, the paparazzi would follow her everywhere. And this was way before we had, like, all those paparazzi laws about, like, the paparazzi being able to, like, follow people around and everything. Now there's, like, laws put into place. Not many laws, but there's some laws put into place to, like, protect celebrities. But before then, there was none. So they would literally follow her to her home follow her to the grocery store. They would follow her while she was driving, just everywhere. It was insane. She had no freedom. And that's scary, Um, too. I am personally just afraid to be walking during daylight by myself, but, like, it's daylight. It's, it's like, it's busy day. It's, like, Wednesday. That's scary in as its own, but, like, you're being followed by, like, masses yeah. amount of people on a daily basis. They know where you are. They're following you. They're driving. 
behind you. Mm-hmm. They're you can visibly see this, and they're not like they don't hide either. They're not subtle. They don't no. care. They just want to get the scoop. They want to see you be humiliating or have a breakdown. They don't care. But that's scary to think that someone's just stalking you on a daily basis and it's okay. It's totally okay. Yeah, and this this was before any paparazzi laws were put into place. So they could follow her literally anywhere. And she said in an interview a while ago, that she felt like her private life was being put on blast and she couldn't go anywhere or make any mistakes because it was just put all over. And she became famous so quickly that she didn't have, she felt like she didn't have enough to, time to like prepare for this part of her life. Um, she later then produced two albums, which did very well. People loved her music. Um, but things started to go downhill for Lindsay. Very quickly. Lindsay's mental health was struggling. She wasn't doing great. She felt the pressure of the industry. Sorry if it looks like I'm smiling. I've just, I've never listened to Lindsay Lohan sing before in my life. And I just, I've never heard her music. And I just thought it was funny to hear that she has two albums. I'm like. Her music is so good. Sorry, I'm not trying to smile because of how horrible this industry treated her. (laughs) I'm just like, she had two albums. I wonder why there weren't any more. Okay, continue. Yeah, she had two albums, which surprisingly did very well. But, like, when people mention her albums, they're like, what are you talking about? Because it was around the same time that, like, Hilary Duff was coming out with music and, like, Britney Spears. So even though it did well, it wasn't as popular as them. Which... We won't get into Lindsay Lohan and Hilary Duff, but it was a big debate between them. They did not get along, and it was all over the paparazzi, but we won't talk about that. Um, anyways, Lindsay's mental health was not doing great. Going downhill, she was struggling with substance abuse and was getting in trouble with the law constantly. Lindsay was sent um, to five different rehabs, court-mandated rehabs and went to court over 20 times for everything that she had done between DUIs, um, drug possession, drinking under age, just many different things. Um, this was broadcasted all over the world. Not surprised. She was very much in the public eye. Everyone knew her business. Everyone knew what was going on. Everyone was judging her because they didn't look into why her mental health was going so bad. They just thought, oh, this childhood star is going downhill. Like, ha, funny. They don't want to know why they're acting like this. They don't want to ask why she's all of a sudden acting out. They just want her to stop. They just want her to be a good girl. Exactly. And they didn't really, like, understand what was going on with her. All that we saw was that she was out drinking, doing drugs, and constantly in rehab. Mm. Same thing that happened to Britney Spears. Um, On top of all of this, her home life was seeming to fall apart. Um, Her parents' relationship was complicated. They were constantly fighting. Her mother and father were constantly having affairs. It was not great. They were on the verge of divorcing, which later in 2007, they eventually did divorce. But Lindsay came out and said recently that she felt like she was between her parents constantly. 
She felt the need to control her parents' fighting while controlling her public life and her career and just felt the pressure of everything between her parents and her career and making sure that she looked good in the public eye. And she was just afraid of everything with her parents coming out along with her drug abuse that was already coming out. Uh So that was... That must have been very, very hard on her. In 2007, she went to rehab on her own for the first time for 30 days. Like So for a full month, she chose to go to rehab by herself without it being court mandated. She said that she felt like this is why this time it actually worked for her because she chose to go to court. No one forced her to. Yeah. She decided that she wanted to change. She wanted wanted it inside of herself. She wanted to change. Yeah. When all along, the media and um, industries were forcing her to change when she wasn't ready to, but now she was finally ready. Three months later, she got sent to rehab again, but this time was due to a DUI. So she was forced to go to rehab again after just relapsing. So that kind of set her back and she was like, oh, Why am I still going to rehab? I just went by myself. It didn't work out. And now the courts forced me to go again. And I don't even want to. What's the point? In 2010, she went to jail for two weeks um, due to another DUI. And then in August 2010, she went to rehab for the fourth time. Um. And for the fifth time, Lindsay goes back to rehab. But this time she said that she had a different experience because she had already been to rehab once by herself. The rest of them were due to DUIs and um, drug overdoses and everything. This time she actually was going to therapy around the same time. And she talked to her therapist and wanted to allow herself to heal and wanted to allow herself to change and to be the person that she's always wanted to be, not the person that the media is making her out to be. So she went to rehab for almost two months. And she came out and said that she loved it. She loved everything that she was learning. She loved her experience, which most people don't love rehab. (laughs) But Lindsay Lohan absolutely loved it. She felt like she learned a lot. She felt like she was completely different afterwards, and since then, she's been reinventing herself and completely sober. In 2007, she moved to Dubai to make a fresh start and reinvent herself. She said that she learned a lot over there, and that's really what started her sober journey because even though she left rehab and said that she was sober, she was still like drinking alcohol here and there, but once she moved to Dubai, she stopped drinking completely. She claims that she hasn't drank or done drugs since 2017, which is amazing for her. Love that for her. Um, okay, so she moved to Dubai, made a fresh life. Um, while she was in Dubai, she ended up opening up some clubs and started her own reality show called Lindsay's Beach Club, which, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's hilarious. I watched the whole thing and, like, one night fucking hilarious love it um and now she is back to acting and starring in movies and producing and directing and has been completely sober since 2017 see people it can happen (laughs) slowly but it can yeah 
Okay. So the next person that I'm going to talk about, it's very short, not so very sweet, but basically um, Raven Simone. Everyone knows Raven. She was very popular in the 90s for That's So Raven. That's So Raven. Yep. <laughs> if you can see <laughs> that was creepy. into the future. future. Okay. I was not a 90s kid, but I still know. I still know. Um, yeah, we all know. So she... Like a lot of females in the industry, um, was scrutinized as a kid because she was un- under the spotlight and she had to be perfect, like always. Um, she fell victim to fat shaming at a very young age when she was on the Cosby Show. <laughs> grabbing my straw. That was hot. So when she was on the Cosby show around seven years old, literally producers and people on set would scrutinize her for eating like at the craft station or whatever. In her experience, she would say, and I have it as a written quote, you can't eat that. You're getting fat. And I'm like, I'm seven. I'm hungry. That's not something you say to a seven-year-old. No, and she wasn't even fat. She was beautiful. If you she go back and beautiful. look at clips from when she was on the Cosby show, she was beautiful. And the fact that they were literally telling the seven-year-old kid, hey, this food is for you, but think again before you eat it. That's terrible. She was a child. She was a child. And a lot of child actors have to go through this. And, Many of them. Jeanette McCurdy. And they have to submit because a lot of the times they don't think that they have the choice to say no. Because a lot of the times, psychologically, when they think, if I say no, I could lose my job. And they don't want to say no because they don't want to risk losing their career because that could be that could be it for them. And that is just insane. And I I made a note of this because... It is insane to think that I thought that Raven Simone was fat in the Cheetah Girls. We all did because we were brought up to think that. Uh, we, were I was ba- we were brainwashed. So, what's the word? Subliminally. Yes. Every single female character in that entire movie was like a size two. And then you have Raven Simone right in the front. She wasn't even that overweight. She was a beautiful girl. Same on, same on That's So Raven with her co-star. Her co-star was very skinny at the time. And then Lindsay, um, Lizzie McGuire was out and Hilary Duff was very tiny. We were shown all of these Disney Channel role models who were very skinny and very tiny. And then Raven Simone comes where she had a normal body. A normal body. A normal body. Yeah. And everyone judged her and everyone thought that she was overweight when in reality she was normal. Yeah, I literally like she thought. Wasn't, I, I was literally. So, I was so young when the Cheetah Girls came out and I thought this body was overweight. It was disgusting. I was like, how is this? How is this disgusting? And she is so beautiful now. And the things that the things that she had to hide because she was a Disney star at the age of 12, she knew Literally, I can see that your camera is, like, freezing, and your eyeballs are, like, up in the back of your head. And it was so funny. 
fact that she literally had to hide her i mean a lot of people had to hide their sexuality of course no one likes hiding that they're gay but especially because she was a disney actor she didn't feel like she could express this at all she thought this could literally change her entire career because of the backlash that ellen received when she came out as gay because all the comments were negative and so psychologically now she can't even feel accepted in her own body or whoever else she chooses to love her body so yep that's also really messed up and i feel really bad for raven simone many childhood stars went through that too bella thorne demi lovato she went through that which we'll talk about her but she went through that too and me i'm part of the lgbtq i'm bi and me if i was a disney star i can't i was already afraid to come out i didn't come out until i was like 17 i could not fathom figuring out my sexuality in that spotlight it's terrifying like it's even terrifying figuring out your sexuality when you're not in the public eye I can't imagine going through what Raven or Bella or, like, anyone else in that industry went through. Especially, and a lot of the times, a lot of people in this industry are put under the microscope, especially females, as, who are they dating? Who are they seeing? Who is she hooking up with? And a lot of the times, it was Um, men that she was working with. And so a lot of the times, these people are pushing fake relationships onto her you know just made up in her mind and to her she feels like oh well these are straight relationships i'm supposed to be straight and this is how i have to act but this isn't how i want it to be and so that must be just really hard day in and day out having to know that you can just easily say hey i'm gay yeah and, and stop it for but she me, can't she can't stop the rumors she can't stop everyone from saying these things easily mm-hmm. with this one statement because she could pot- potentially risk her career and i'm just gonna do a mini rant about disney channel and their representation growing up i had no representation all i saw through the disney channel was just straight relationships So every time that I saw a girl that I was attracted to, I immediately pushed aside because I'm like, oh, this is wrong. This is messed up because I hadn't seen it in media. If we had someone like Raven Simone or Bella Thorne come out sooner, it would have helped out many LGBTQ kids growing up. But they were also afraid of coming out just as much as we were. And I just feel like we should have more representation like Raven Simone. Because Raven Simone now is one of my biggest influences. I love her. I love how much she talks about her sexuality online. I look up to her so much and I just wish that I had something like that growing up as a child. Which now, of course, Disney's doing so much better with that. We have so much representation on Disney Channel now. But I just feel like we should have had more growing up. We all, before I get into my Sprouse Twin story, I just want to mention 
about how the Hollywood industry would use young twins to profit off of. Very much. Like, growing up, we saw many, many twins in the industry, like the Olsen twins and the Strauss twins. And it was because, at the time, there were child labor laws that are still put into place today, where childhood um, child actors could only work a certain amount of hours before they would have to, like, be done for the day. So they would pick identical twins and switch them off in between takes and have them play, like, the same role. But whenever one would be tired and, like, need to go eat or, like, need to go take a nap, they would use the other twin. Yeah, so is- this became really popular in the 90s um, for a 90s um, TV series, um, especially for Full House. Um, not so much uh, The Parent Trap. In fact, they did double the work. <laughs> yeah, because Lindsay Lohan does not have a secret twin. <laughs> yes. But, um, um, so that was very popular for the Olsen twins to do that and for the Sprouse twins. So that they can double uh, the length of time that they can film a character. Yeah, like in um, Big Daddy with um the twins one role that they both played um okay so i wanted to talk about how dylan and cole sprouse were also very exploited through disney channel like almost every single childhood star is um they had their fair share of traumatic experiences working on disney and just working in the industry all together um their first big movie it was their first feature-length film but it was it did not get many reviews. It was not popular in the slightest. But it's very much important noting because of how graphic and how traumatizing this movie must have been to film for them. They were only like seven or eight years old and they were filming this movie. This movie was called The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things. And the plot is the main character's name is Sarah. And she is a SEX worker. I can't say the word on here because YouTube. But she's a SEX worker. Um, the twins play a little boy named Jeremiah, who is Sarah's child. The plot of the movie follows that Sarah realizes that she's having trouble and can't continue working with these men while she has to lug her son around everywhere. So Sarah has this idea to pose her son, Jeremiah, Dylan and Cole Sprouse, to be her younger sister and work with her as an SEX worker. Which, what the fuck? That is a fucked up. How old were they? And for, they were, the character was 11 years old, but they were around like nine or eight. Yeah, and it just gets worse. That's messed um, up. I, after learning this, I watched the movie. I don't recommend watching it. It is very psycholo- psychologically traumatizing. Don't recommend watching it in the slightest. I'm so um, going to watch it after. But, yes. Research <laughs> purposes. I'm sorry. But. Yes, but um, she thought that in order to keep her job as an SEX worker, 
Um, she had to make her son cross-dress and pose as her little sister and seduce these older men and get more money. Um, there was a plot in the movie, and there was a scene in the movie, where Jeremiah, her son, seduces um, Sarah's last client. And um, this character that Jeremiah seduces is played by Marilyn Manson. Yeah, that's all I need to say about that. Marilyn Manson, a very known creep and pedophile, um, was playing this character that Dylan and Cole Sprouse had to pretend to seduce. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to go into detail about that scene because it's very graphic and I don't suggest watching it. I have no words. This but, is terrible. Yeah. But my question is, how could Dylan and Cole's parents let them be in that movie? If I had a child, I wouldn't let my child be in a movie like that. That is so traumatizing. So I have a bomb that I want to, like, throw on you right now because I did a little okay. research and I found some things um, that I, it, they don't necessarily fall in a um, Disney child actor realm. But it does fall under a child performer being mistreated sort of thing. And it does fall under that very well. Um, Brooke Shields, who is very um, popularly known for um, our generation as playing the mother, the late mom of Hannah Montana, um, yeah. the hit show from Disney. And it is actually very popularly known. That at 10 years old, her mother consented to have her photo shooted fully nude for Playboy magazine. And they released it at 10 years old. I don't know how that was legally possible, but apparently there were two photos that were shot and the mother consented and they were full frontal. And they were nude. And then these were for Playboy. And I just thought that this was important to, you know, point out. Because a lot of the times, you know, actors will go into different types of performances. You know, singing, acting, all that kind of stuff. Well, Brooke Shields started with Playboy. But she is a very successful actress. And I don't take away from that. She had no consent over this. She was a minor. I don't understand how parents let their children do stuff like Clearly this. it's out of desperation. Okay. Okay. Moving on, Sprouse Twins. So we talked about their first movie. Um, now I want to talk about The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, more specifically their manager that they had on The Sweet, on the sweet Life of Zack and Cody. So, um, their manager was a known convicted criminal. Their manager was convicted of S. Ain, a 16-year-old male. And, um, there, it is a accusation that 
their manager would host um, parties with his child clients and get them drunk enough so that he could touch them inappropriately. Um, We don't know how many times this happened. We don't know how many parties. We don't really know the timeline. And we don't know this because he apparently moved to Canada and changed his name completely. Yeah. According to research, he literally had the, he had the charges expunged from his record, quite literally changed his legal name, and then moved to some sort of residence in Canada, which to me sounds like the most shadiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also another convicted criminal that was working with the twins on Disney, Brian Peck. I'm not going to go into much detail because Hannah will do that. We can't deny the fact that Sweet Life on Deck and The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody was a huge success for Disney Channel. It was one of the longest-running Disney Channel shows and moved on to a sequel and a movie. Um, But The Sweet Life on Deck ended kind of abruptly. The Spouse Twins felt like they didn't want it to end as it did. They wanted to actually have a last season that would segue into a Disney Channel show because they were banking so much money off of the Sweet Life franchise. Um, So Cole and Dylan Sprouse came up with an idea for a final season where they would graduate high school and go to college. They would leave the ship and move back to Boston and live in the Tipton again while they were going to college. Um, They would meet this young boy and his single father, who just moved into Tipton and they would have this amazing relationship with this young boy and kind of race them up, like race him up and teach them everything that he knew about the hotel and everything they learned about growing up and living at the hotel. And then it would segue into them having like little shenanigans with like the um, young boy and the young boy would like have this friend. So the young boy was basically supposed to be um, Cody like the same exact character as Cody and his friend was supposed to be Dylan Sprouse and it was just supposed to be like um that whole same dynamic and it would give them the opportunity to move into a separate spinoff. Disney laughed at them in their face when they proposed this idea and said nope this is stupid we're done with you guys bye like we're done making money off of this and Dylan and Cole felt betrayed they felt hurt because disney was their life they wanted to continue doing disney and so this was all before they started filming the last season um during the filming yes during a interview with dylan sprouse he did admit that when they offered this new idea for a last season of the sweet life They said that they laughed in their face and basically said, no, we're not going to do this. And then later on came up with their own idea. Yes. And said, hey, let's see if maybe you like this. They basically pitched the exact same idea as the Sprouse twins, but placed it in Miami, Florida. And it would just be some other hotel. I don't know the logistics, but basically they took the idea, pitched it to them, but basically said it was our idea. 
because it's in Miami, Florida, which makes sense. I heard about that, but I completely forgot it, so I'm glad you brought that up. But I just think that's insane because if we had gotten that last season of The Sweet Life on Deck, it would have been iconic, and then it probably would have moved on to a funny spinoff. And I feel like if we had that last season, it would have worked out so well because it would have been like the older seasons. Mm-hmm. And they said and they said specifically that um, they wanted to continue this because they didn't want to let off the people who were working for the production. Yeah, exactly. They didn't want to. They didn't want to let off people. They wanted to secure these people these people's jobs so that they can stretch out their income a little bit longer. Yeah, because. Um, Dylan and Cole, as they were getting kind of tired of Disney Channel and they were like growing up out of that role that they were playing, they still wanted to continue the franchise and they gave Disney the perfect opportunity to, and they're like, no, you're stupid. And then later on just proposed the same exact idea to them. So they were hurt, they were betrayed, and they both fell from the face of the earth. And went on a five-year hiatus and no one knew what was going on with them. No one knew anything except for Cole Sprouse had a Tinder account called the um, Culture Concept. And he would answer questions about um, his childhood and like talk to fans and like write these really um, encrypted, encrypted. I can't talk. Yeah, whatever you just said is probably better than what I was going to say. Encrypted, yes. These encrypted um, Tumblr posts. And then out of nowhere, he just goes, this was a social experiment. I was tricking you guys. I got everything that I needed. And I'm leaving now. But that was right after he had just exposed Disney Channel and talking about his bad childhood. And then all of a sudden he was just like, haha, this was a social experience, like social experiment. This was a joke. No one believed that. No one believed that it was a social experiment. Like everyone knew that he was just telling too much about Disney Channel and he probably had an NDA that he had that he couldn't say anything. Um, and now they're back. They're back in both doing acting and Cole is on Riverdale. Riverdale is a whole experience in itself, but he's back on Riverdale and they're both living their best life and doing great. And Cole recently went on on the Call Me Daddy podcast and talked about everything in his childhood. I love watching that podcast if you really want to get into their heads and just like yes. hear what a celebrity has to say. He really laid it all right out there he literally took a drag of that cigarette and he laid it out there the internet is going crazy over that cigarette puff oh my god it's because he he really looked like a poetic tragic star and he was just really running with that role he took it and he's like i'm gonna run with it yeah so basically they were looking for they were looking for producer credits they wanted some sort of credit on their resume because they wanted to do this for a living in the industry. Yeah, and they wanted to be producers and directors. And I know that Cole has produced a couple episodes of Riverdale, which those are unnotably the 
most like the best episodes of Riverdale. He has an, I have he to has say. an incredible the mind. Only episodes of Riverdale that make sense. Um, but they also, I'm pretty sure this isn't, this is just coming from my mind. So I'm not like 100%. I don't have anything to back this up, but I remember hearing that Cole and Dylan actually did produce one episode of the sweet life on deck and it did really well. But then Disney Channel did not take them back to produce any other episodes of Sweet Life on Deck. Mm -hmm. And they were going to produce the very last season of Sweet Life on Deck. But they threw them aside and said, nope, we're done with you. We can't make any more money off of you. Bye. Interesting. Also, so you can we just like talk for a second about how like I always forget that they had their own movie. Yeah, the Sweet Life movie because it wasn't that popular. It didn't do that great, but it it was really good. I Honestly, now that I think about it, it was a really good movie, and I don't know why. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I probably remembered it, and it's probably shit. So, because it was a fever dream. It was. It, it was, was a fever the dream. Craziest, randomest plot did not make sense. For it me had nothing to do with like all. their background whatsoever or being on a boat. Yeah. It had to do with, like, time travel. I don't know about that, but... And I'm like, okay. But it was a great movie in itself. If you forget that it has to do anything with Sweet Life. It's it had something movie. to do with something. I don't really know anymore. I'm part of the fever okay. dream. So, so are we so gonna... since I mentioned Brian yeah. Peck, I want you to talk about Brian Peck more. Okay, so I'm going to kind of segue from where I left off with Raven Simone. So basically, at a very young age, she was obviously working on the Bill Cosby show. And around this time, obviously, there were a lot of allegations against Bill Cosby as being a offender. I, that's as plainly as I'm going to put it. So around this that. time, a, she was exposed to maybe... Some sort of treatment behind the scenes uh, with Bill Cosby. There's a lot of photos um, around the internet of her as a young kid, of just them sitting on a couch and hanging out and just chilling. Who knows what she was uh, subjected to as a child? It's and Bill fucking Cosby. It's Bill Cosby. So we don't <laughs> know what she could have been going through. I didn't even know this because I didn't. I wasn't really growing up around the time of the Bill Cosby show. But when I mentioned this to my mother, she's just like, oh, well, I know all about her. She was working with Bill Cosby. And it immediately sparked in my mind. I was just like, she did. So what What was she doing with Bill Cosby? What was Bill Cosby, you know, what kind of interaction was going on there? But, like, that's total speculation in itself. But what I wanted to talk about was a little bit more about Brian Peck. Um, I'm going to go in a little bit more extensively with that. Um, we want to mention Brian Peck because he's associated with Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Yes, so I'm just going to say offender for everyone. There's a lot of offenders out there in this industry, and a lot of them were allowed to work with Disney. And Disney, a lot of the times, liked to defend themselves, saying that the past is the past. We do not. We do not have anything against what they did. They have... A right in this life to a second chance to work with us so basically they were letting known child offenders work with children 
it's okay to forgive um, an accusation or a charge um, for being a, um, an offender. For a certain job, this certain job, you shouldn't be. If you effed up being around a child, be a mechanic. Brian Peck, which I don't know if people know, was actually a voice actor for a couple of roles, but he was also just a regular actor, a coach actor, um, and he did work for Disney for a while on the Amanda show where he was... For Nickelodeon. Yeah, for Nickelodeon on the Amanda show where he got his start um, until he switched. Um, in August 19 of 2003, he was arrested for a penal code section 288C1 for lewd acts with a child. Peck was coaching with a victim in his own residence in Valley Glen at this point in his career, 20 years in into his career. Police believe more victims have yet to come forward, but he pleaded guilty immediately. And a lot of speculation says that he pled guilty immediately so that it didn't go to trial, so that other people didn't have a chance to come out and release more stuff on him. So he eventually only went to prison for 16 months, and as soon as he came back, that was when he started working for Disney and started working as the pink mirror in London Tipton's room for the sweet life of Zach and Cody. So clearly was to And this was shortly after he was released. They let him back into the industry. But his job on that show, after he had just um essayed children a young boy was to look at children and judge how they look and talk about their appearance because he played a mirror yes literally london tipton and maddie yeah maddie would basically stand in front of this mirror and be like hey mirror how do i look well we don't know what they look like behind the scenes who knows what this mirror is looking at but basically it was very uncomfortable to find out that a offender is literally Mimicking a mirror in a child, teenage girl's bedroom. Ugh. And it's just terrible that Disney is letting these people back into the industry after they are already pleading guilty to acts against children. And I want to add, because I found this out when I did a little bit of research on him, um, because of his charge, he technically wasn't allowed to work around children like the same environment as as children, but because he was just a voice actor, they let it slide. Yes. And that's how they did, like, the whole loophole for him to work with them. Yeah, let me find it. All right, just in 2012, was there a California law that was created to prohibit the unsupervised vision of child stars with managers, coaches, and photographers without first submitting to a fingerprinting and background check? If they went through this process, they would basically be given a child performer service permit. And this was under the Assembly Bill uh, 1660. And it, it was a good law. It was one step towards um, protecting children in this industry. But it had many loopholes because, like you said, yeah. 
if you are a offender, we are going to separate you from the child. But if you are also an actor, we technically can't keep you from the other actors. So if you're an offender, you can work with a child. As long as you're the actor on the set and not the producer, the writer, the photographer. Oh, so I just had a couple more things to say about Brian Peck. Um, so basically, he worked on Disney shows such as The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody um, in 2006-2007, despite being convicted of sex crimes against a boy under 16. That's what it was. It was under 16 years old. Just two years prior. That's how far in between the crime that was committed to him working on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh. That's how far in between. A lot of the times, offenders, especially in this industry, a lot of them, I've never seen any of them stay in longer than three years. And that's just their sentencing. They don't even make it to the three years because they get out on good behavior. And what does Disney do? They let them right back into the door. To make more money. They get to make more money while also being in the environment where they were once stimulated in the wrong way. I want to segue and move on to talking about um, another childhood star who I love very much, my twin, Bella Thorne. <laughs> Y'all have said many times I look like her and it is getting to my head. Um, but Bella Thorne was one of the many stars that was also exploited by the industry. Not surprising. Almost everyone in the childhood in Hollywood industry, like childhood stars and like industry was exploited. Almost everyone. Um, executives would force her to have a certain appearance and live a certain way. And Bella Thorne felt controlled. She said that she was being controlled in every aspect of her life. While she was just still a child, she felt heavily, um, sexualized we can blur that out as much as we need to um she felt heavily sexualized as a child she recently has spoken out about everything that she went through in this industry and in hollywood um in a recent interview she recalls a moment when she was only 10 she says that she went to um this acting director like um interview like, this audition for a casting director. That's what I was looking for. Um, she went to this um, audition, and the casting director called her agent and her mother because her agent was wondering why nothing came out of that. Like, she had a really good experience. She, Her acting was phenomenal. They were curious as to why nothing came out of that. And the director said that he felt very uncomfortable around 10-year-old Bella and said that he felt like she was flirting with him and trying to just seduce him. She was 10. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. She was 10. She doesn't have the ability to seduce. No, she doesn't have the ability to seduce a this man or woman. We don't know the gender. But this person was like... Probably in their 30s or 40s. And accusing... Accusing a child. Accusing a child, 10-year-old Bella, of flirting with them. 
something had to have happened in that situation that made him felt like feel like he had to say this and accuse Bella of doing this. We don't know what happened. Bella Thorne never came out and explained what happened. But I just feel like I needed to know that, like note that, because she was a literal child and being sexualized and being accused of flirting with this older person. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, She also mentions in the podcast a moment where she almost got fired by Disney Channel while she was filming Shake It Up for posting a bikini pic, a picture of just her on the beach, like a photo shoot at age 14 on the beach. Disney thought that the pictures were too sexual and were incriminating their appearance. I saw this photo. She was standing. She was literally standing there in a bikini, a two-piece. She was smiling. She was looking at the camera. She was 14 in a bikini. She had nothing to offer yet at that age. She was just at the beach, and yet she was just being sexualized? Being told she was being too sexy. What part of that picture was sexual? There was nothing nothing wrong with it. Um, she says that how that, she says that that very much, um, affected her career nowadays. She says that there were many other situations where she felt under, that she was watched under a microscope by Disney and she couldn't make any mistakes. And she says to this day as an adult, she is still afraid of things that she posts online and the content that she's producing and she's afraid of doing stuff even in her private life because she feels like it could still ruin her career to this day because Disney trained her to be so strict with herself. Mm -hmm. Um, She also says how she didn't want to be on Disney in the first place. She didn't want to even do acting in the first place. She only started acting to help out her family and to um, gain money for her family because she said that she never went to school. She never had an education. And um, so when she went to, so she felt like acting was like the only career that she could do. That was the only thing that she felt like she was good at. She couldn't really read. She couldn't do simple multiplication, simple math. Well, to be fair, she was dyslexic. She was dyslexic, as am I. I completely understand. Disney um, was well aware that they had to share with us that she was dyslexic. <laughs> Reading this is a struggle for me. I get you, Bella, my dyslexic queen. <laughs> um, but she felt like Disney and like acting was the only choice that she really had, which is sad. That is incredibly sad. She and felt like she was obligated to work for her family. Yeah. That's terrible. And she felt like, you shouldn't she have to like feel the, like you have to make the money in the family. Yeah, and she felt like the only way that she could do this was through acting. Because she was, like, so hard on herself. Um, but because she doesn't have an education proves a fact that I've been thinking about Disney all this time. Disney always states and says that they prioritize the education of young actors and actresses. Um, Bella's situation proved that this is entirely incorrect. And Allison Stoner 
and Allison Stoner, which we'll get into. She's um, a main part of this video. She can also attest that they did not keep up with any kind of curriculum when it came to child no. education. No, because if you watch interviews, there's been many actors and actresses that have come out and been like, yeah, I've had... I had to go to school through Disney, but it wasn't like the great, like the greatest education. But yet, Disney promotes the fact that they give their childhood stars and actresses a lot of schooling. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been watching many um, behind the scenes of like different Disney shows and stuff, and in almost every single one, they show the school set. Like, the school that they go to. Oh, yeah. And they show how they still do school and stuff online. And about how they're still homeschooled even though they go to set. But we have Bella Thorne, who says that she had no education whatsoever. We have Allison Stoner, who says that her education was minimal at best. And it, she said that she was very behind in what progress she yeah. should have been making in school. And the Sprouse twins also said that they were homeschooled, but they did school outside of Disney. They did their own online school and they schooled themselves because they couldn't get that education through Disney. And honestly, I could see that. I mean, they're well taught. Wrote a book, which I didn't know about. I didn't know that she wrote a book. It's called The Life of a Wannabe um, Mogul, Mental Disarray. Oh, yes. I did see that she came out with that book. But she wrote many poems in it and it's actually, I've been reading it recently. It's actually a very good book. Highly recommend. Um... But she talked about being sexualized on the Disney Channel and about how um, through her shows and the red carpets, they would force her to wear like these skimpy, tiny outfits. But then when she would wear a bikini to the beach, they would judge her about it. So make it make sense. Uh, (laughs) Doesn't match up. Um, But she I'm not going to get too into depth on this because of youtube's guidelines they basically wanted to control when you looked sexy and when you didn't they wanted to have control of when you were having these moments he says that at the under the age of 14 from when she was like age 8 all the way up to 14 she was being um essayed at home and she felt ashamed and she felt disgusting both from what Disney Channel was telling her about how she needed to lose weight and she needed to wear these certain outfits and look the certain way and then this older man was abusing her at home and it was just not a great experience for Bella she didn't know how to handle it um she the interviewer talks to her and asks her about why she wasn't able to leave and why she didn't speak up. And she says that um, she attributed it to Stockholm Stockholm Syndrome in the interview. And then in her book, she wrote a little poem. And she says, putting trust or love into your captor because it's the only way you can deal with the situation in front of you. She was 14 and dealing with essay at home. And she was being put on the spotlight and in the public eye and she had to deal with all of this and she felt ashamed of herself and she wasn't confident with herself but then she would go home and she would have this older person be obsessed with her and use her and she kind of got um 
she kind of gained Stockholm syndrome from that. She, even though she was being essayed, she felt like um, reassurance with herself. Like she was getting all this praise from this older man. She said that's why she stuck around as long as she did. Um, Even though she went through all this abuse and mental pain, she and um, she still managed to leave Disney, and she said that she broke the Disney curse. The Disney curse refers to all of the childhood stars who lost their minds and would go on to do drugs and alcohol, which I don't like the saying that she said, like, lost their minds because they didn't lose their minds. They were going through PTSD. They were mentally situations. ill. They were mentally ill. So I don't like how she worded that, but that's what she said. Um, she said, breaking the Disney curse was harder than I expected. When I was on Disney Channel, I was only 12, so my audience was younger. Now that I am in my 20s, children aren't my audience anymore, so I don't cater to their, I don't cater my material to that age. I stopped worrying about the world, what the world thought of me, and started focusing on my true fans that loved me. After Disney, I had the opportunity to find myself, and to love myself. I truly feel free. So she was saying how at the age of 12, she felt like she wasn't really herself, and she was putting on, again, this role that Disney makes many of their childhood stars put on. And she just felt controlled and used, and she is now out of that and living her best life. Love her so much. I could talk about her all day. Um... But yeah, she basically said after leaving Disney, there's now, like, a weight off of her shoulders. And she's not being this fake, bubbly Bella Thorne that Disney was making her be. Good for her. I love her so much. I want to marry that woman. <laughs> Bella Thorne, if you're watching this, I love you. Marry me. Make me strongest. Turn it up. This is on this is on theme. So am I good to talk about your number 30? Tell us about the queen. Tell us about the queen. I love her. Um, Jeanette started acting at a very young age. Her parents are the reason why she started. She said that she never truly wanted to be an actress, just like Bella Thorne. She only started to help out her family because her mom said that she needed to start making money because her family was very broke. And so it was her mom's idea for her to become a childhood actress. And she, her mom very much pushed that on her. Like her mom controlled almost her entire career. Oh, yeah. Um, she started acting at age six. And by age 10 and 11, she was the main income um, of her childhood house. So she was the main resource for her entire family. She did not take any of the money that was made from Nickelodeon. It was all being given to her parents and her family at this time. Um, Jeanette ended up writing a memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died, which sounds very graphic, but if you listen to her story about her mother, you will understand what she means. It's very justified. Yes. Um... She explains the physical and mental abuse she went through with her mother and with Dan Schneider on being and how being a childhood star was very training to her. Um, I'll skim over the stuff with Dan Schneider and her, but in part two, we're going to go into depth about Dan Schneider. So stay tuned for that. Her mother was controlling her appearance, even going as far as to bleaching her hair and her teeth at just age 11 
and saying that she wasn't pretty enough like all of the other actors and actresses that sh- they were seeing. She was so beautiful. Um, Jeanette started to um, go through puberty and started to produce breasts and started to get a little bit bigger. And her mother said, no, 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 this is not acceptable. No, no, no. So um, Jeanette came to her um, agency and her mother and had like this little meeting and were like, hey, I'm gaining these lady parts and I don't want them. How can I make that stop? And her mom brought up the idea of watching her calories and calorie restriction at age 11, which led her to have a really huge eating disorder. She then landed her most iconic role at age 15, which was as Sam Puckett on iCarly. Now, on iCarly, Sam Puckett's character was known for binge eating, was known to be a very big eater, and at this time, Jeanette McCurdy herself was struggling with the complete opposite problem. She was not eating enough, and she remembers having a spit bucket next to her while she was filming, so she would eat this food on camera and then spit it out because she didn't want to eat it. Very traumatizing for her. Um, she remembers speaking to Dan Schneider about her issues with the show. Hi, yawn. About her issues with the show and about how she hated the way that her character was being brought up. Portrayed. And, yeah, being portrayed. And Dan Schneider laughed at her in her face. Not surprising. Um, Dan Schneider basically said, hey, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. So stop complaining. And Dan Schneider was the source of much of her abuse growing up. She talks about how she felt sexualized. Dan would also force her to drink when she was underage, trying to get them to loosen up and act cooler. Dan never tried to make her feel comfortable once. Um, he even was being convicted of emotional abuse on set at this time. After iCarly, Jeanette went to film a spinoff show, Sam and Cat. Originally, Jeanette was promised her own TV show about Sam Puckett. And so she signed these contracts to be moved to a spinoff of iCarly, but it wasn't stated in the contracts what the show was going to be. But Dan Schneider was telling her, yes, we want to do a deep and dark story on Sam Puckett. And about her life after leaving Carly. Last minute, he adds um, Kat into the picture, Ariana Grande. And it was put into this um, show that was just based around Sam and Kat, which Jeanette should not want to do. Jeanette wanted a deep and dark story on Sam. She said this made her very unhappy and already very jealous of Ariana Grande. Um, she said that she felt like... Ariana Grande got special treatment on the show. Um, she said how Ariana Grande will leave, um, will leave set to tour and sometimes would call out last minute to go do red carpets. When Jeanette had a strict eye on her 24-7, she was put up for two movie roles and requested um, to lower her time on set, but still film episodes. And she would only need to be cut from one episode to film these big movies that she was going to be in. 
Nickelodeon said, no, no, we're not going to let you do that. The show is too important. Well, they cut Ariana Grande out of an entire episode and they wrote her out by putting her, getting her trapped in this magician box. And Jeanette had to act with a box for the entire episode where a week prior to filming that, Jeanette had just asked for permission to lower her time on set. And Nickelodeon said no, but they allowed Ariana Grande to be cut from an entire episode just to go and perform at the Billboard Music Awards for one night. Well, don't you think her performance would possibly get more drive into views? Exactly. It's whatever's exactly. more marketable. If Ariana exactly. Grande, if Nick- Ariana Grande is going out to get more views, let her go out and get more views. I yeah, I get, I get Nickelodeon's perspective on that, but it's completely unfair for Jeanette Bacardi. It is unfair. So, but they don't, that's yeah. what they don't care about. It's because it's an industry yeah, they and they need to make money. Yep, they don't care about the, yeah, they don't care about the actor's health. They just care about how much money they're making. Um, but Jeanette said at this point of her career, she was unhappy. She was unhealthy mentally and physically and burnt out from the fame and constant abuse. And she was dealing with um, the passing of her mother because her mother passed away during Sam and Cat. Um, she said that she felt betrayed and didn't want to do it anymore. So she left. Um, Jeanette left very abruptly. It felt like it was out of nowhere. Nobody knew why she left. She got nominated for a Kids' Choice Awards. And um, she actually won the award but didn't show up to accept it. And nobody knew why. Nobody understood what happened. Um, in her book, she said... If she wasn't such a good sport, she wouldn't have been in the situation that she had been in. She says that she wouldn't have been on the shitty show, on her shitty show, showing these shitty lines and those shitty hairstyles. I hated it. I wish I had left sooner. That was her own quote. She said that when she left Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon offered her money to stay silent. They offered her $300,000. Yep. She did Um, not take it. To keep her mouth shut and not say anything. Well, we don't know if she took it or not. No, they... No. They... Well... There's no... I looked. There's, like, no, like... She didn't say if she took it or not. There's, like, nowhere on the internet to say if she took it or not. But it's assumed... It can be assumed that she didn't because she came out with the book later on and told everything. Yeah. She never... In her book, she never mentioned names. Like, she always mentioned Dan Schneider as the creator. But it still can be assumed that she didn't take the money. A lot of people Um, assume, yes. Sorry, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning and my mom just texted me saying that she's up. Can't sleep. She wants to know if we want to go shopping in the morning. That's going to be fun. I love how I'm just over here twirling a Harry Potter wand. Very on brand for me. Love your song. Love your song. Love your song. Love your song. Do you want to stop doing that stone or not? I'm just going to like speed roll through um, Allison Stoner. Um, good reference. Look up the Vulnerable podcast um, with Christy Carlson um, Romano, I do believe is the name. She's most commonly known for um, voice acting as Kim Possible for those of us who are in our generation. 
And it was a really good representation of what they saw and all of their experiences. But more importantly, was what experiences they weren't getting. So I'm just going to basically go through and read a bunch of these. So basically, this is all from Alison Stoner, who um, is a dancer in the Missy Elliott videos, um, did Camp Rock. She's a dancer. Um, she does all that. And she, she said, was in Sweet Love, Zach and Cody. She was all over Disney Channel. Oh, yeah. She is very accomplished. She was in Step Up. She was in all of those movies and everything. So according to Stoner, most companies don't follow child labor laws, more specifically legal working hours. Um, sets can be inappropriate and dangerous. Um, she stated, the U.S. Department of Labor states that 17 states have no regulation for child entertainment in 2021. They work job after job after job because they can only get certain hours for the legal working limit. So once one job is over, they have to go to the next. And a lot of the times she says that they will never acknowledge that that's the case. They will work you because you are a product. And at the end of the day, once they release you, you go off to another agent, you go to another session, you go to another rehearsal, and it's constant and it's non-stop for these kids. And they said that basically their job is to sell a product, not to babysit. And so a lot of these times they don't really care how these children feel. At the end of the day, they need to make this these deadlines. They need to follow these schedules. Um, they're not here to babysit. And she said that all of these agencies and her agents were telling her and encouraging her to become emancipated so that she can work legally longer hours. So these people literally are trying to push her so that she can work longer because, of course, if she makes more money, then the agents make more money off of her because of representation and everything. Yep. And that is so messed up. They just want to make money off of these children without considering how they feel about how often and how long they're worked. So, clear violation of child labor. I had no idea that they were trying to get her to get emancipated. A lot of people do this. I'm sure they did this to the Sprouse twins. Probably. Um, Bella Thorne, I'm sure, also did this. Probably Miley um, Cyrus. Of course. Um, and really quickly, I'm just going to explain the 25 rule. She, Allison Stoner, stated the 25-episode rule um, back in the 90s. They did not specifically want shows to exceed 65 episodes. This being, every financial quarter, 65 divided by 5 days a week, after 13 weeks, or at the end of every financial quarter... Disney Channel, unlike today. What was that? It was, it was um, police cars. I live in the city. Oh yeah, she's in the city. I'm in the country. We don't hear shit. I'm in like, I am in like the most criminal city right now. <laughs> it is insane. Anyways, continue. Uh, in the United States, let's just state that first. Yes, in the United States. In the United States. There you go. She's acting like a third world country over here. At the end of these 13 weeks, or at the end of the financial quarter, 
Um, we don't have, back then, they didn't have streaming services to watch whenever we wanted. So Disney or whatever company um, that was, or networks, networks would basically be choosing which episodes would do reruns. And so for these 65 episodes in a 13-week basis, these kids were doing promotions, they were doing meet and greets, they were doing reporters, all of this. And it was a lot for them in this short amount of time. And she stated that this was very made child stars very unmanageable because of how long they're allowed to actually be working legally. Yeah. But I mean, they always had to cross that line because of how demanding these jobs are. So these kids literally day in and day out had to do meet and greets, social events, this, that, this, that in just weeks. And after that, a lot of the times, like with um, Lizzie McGuire and I think um, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, they eventually got one movie after the series was over and then slowly they phased out. And then they had new shows come in. And then they kept going and going and going. But eventually this ended with That's So Raven. And eventually Sweet Love of Zack and Cody um, became the longest running TV series. Because they eventually broke that 25 cycle. Or 65 cycle, sorry. 65. You've been saying 25, but... I've been saying 25. I'm sorry. So with such a packed filming schedule, promotions, um, it was very hard to manage. Oh, I wrote down that all, my stance is that like a lot of the times children only join the industry because the family needs their support, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, parents are desperate, but a lot of the times parents aren't educated on how to um, support a child going through this job being a child performer they don't know how to you know um be there and comfort their child while they are entering these emotional um interviews or um uh, auditions because literally these young kids are literally being trained to turn on turn off be this be that and it's really hard because they don't have a sense of themselves. So they're acting all of these different roles, playing all of these different characters. And a lot of the times they are losing a sense of reality because they don't know who they are. So they are just acting and don't know where these lines, you know, start and stop between reality and just being a character on a screen. And parents don't know how to support kids and how emotional and hard this job can be. Especially if you're six or seven years old. You don't really know the difference between reality and the real world. She thought that it would be nice if the industry would have some sort of like counselor or therapist on set for these kids to help transition um, to cool yeah, off. Yeah, very much so. Cool off, she quote, said, cool off and cool down, you know, or whatever, um, from emotionally heavy scenes, you know, just to help them process what they 
are going through and then help them realize that they have to do it the next day, but that, you know, it's separate from their own life, basically, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And then to end off the video, I want to talk about Amanda Bynes um, because that kind of segues into part two of our video, Dan Schneider. I had just one, a couple of things I wanted to say about Alison Stoner. Some people even brought up the fact that Alison Stoner's mannerisms and social communication has been somewhat seen as um, somewhat of being on the spectrum just because she states in her own, um, in her own perspective, she is so conditioned by the industry to not say the wrong thing, to keep it cute and friendly, don't say the wrong thing, that she mentally prepares every single social interaction that she ever goes through. She basically creates a script because that's the only regality that she necessarily understands because she doesn't have her own authentic experiences and socialization with other people that's what she has to go off of segueing into the last part of the video i want to talk about amanda Bynes because this leads to our second part um our whole nickelodeon episode we're going to have an entire episode on nickelodeon and dan schneider but um, I mentioned Dan Schneider in this past video, and I feel like I can't mention him without mention, and I can't mention Nickelodeon without mentioning Amanda Bynes. She was the face of Nickelodeon for so long. Everyone knew who she was. She was in all of that, and then later on, um, was given her own show, The Amanda Show, which was basically an SNL like children's um skit show very funny love that show um there was a moment a few years where amanda lived with dan schneider in his house just her and him because her parents were out of state and working out of state and they wanted to film the amanda show and continued working on the amanda show so she moved in with him um Later on in 2018, Dan left Nickelodeon, saying, and when he left Nickelodeon, Amanda came out and made a bunch of these social media posts. I don't know if it was on Instagram or Twitter, but she made a bunch of these really encrypted, encrypted. I can't say cryptic. that word for the life. Encrypted. Cryptic. Cryptic. Just cryptic. She made some very, very weird tweets. Very weird tweets saying, Thank you for all the ongoing support. I don't know how, men, how any of these men sleep at night. The one thing I do know is that what's done in the dark always comes to light. Which is very random. Like, we knew she was kind of talking about Dan Schneider, but we didn't know, like, really. Like, she didn't really go into depth, except for she capitalized random letters throughout this post and if you put all the letters together in order that she capitalize them it spells out dan did it mm. and then an hour later she makes another statement saying 
I feel as though the only way legitimate stories make the headlines regarding, and then she blanked out his name, she didn't put his name, is um, if other people publicly speak on his behavior. He needs to be stopped. He has finally been stopped. And then 20 minutes after that one, she made another tweet saying, blank was truly like a second father to me, but things change after the second incident. I don't even know if I will be able to have kids of my own. I don't know if I can live like this anymore. I am done. I don't know if I'll ever be able to have kids. So we don't know what happened still. She hasn't come out and explained anything. Amanda Bynes' mental health went down very quickly after the Amanda show. She spiraled into heavy drugs and alcohol abuse. She was later sent to the psych ward for recovery and her parents put her, I mean, the court put her on a conservatorship that was controlled by her parents, the same exact situation that Britney Spears went through. Um, she tried to get out of the conservatorship, but it was really difficult. She recently just came out of the conservatorship and she says, and I quote, I am finally out. I am finally free. I just want to get married. I want to have my own life. I want to be able to have babies. So she basically is saying how she feels very free now because she's out of the industry and she's out of this conservatorship and she's not being controlled anymore. And she said um, in another Instagram post that she doesn't want to go back to acting anymore. It was very traumatizing for her. She actually is now um, going to cosmetology school to be a manicure artist and is making her own music now, which her music is questionable, but I'm not one to judge. Um, <laughs> she's just doing like SoundCloud rapping music now, which good for her. She's doing what she wants. Can we all just like take a moment to explain that like NDAs, non-disclosure agreements are a real kick in the you know what when yeah. it comes to these people because it's really protecting the wrong people. The industry is basically having these people sign NDAs because they know they're going to need them. And these people are never going to be able to live their lives not being able to speak up about the truth because they basically signed away their right to say what really happened to them to a, a real audience of people who are willing to listen and should hear it. I do have a couple of other facts. Um, people from the School of Rock, actors from them have um, developed raging, raging addictions from age 14 to 24. I mean, these people also didn't have a good time working as child actors, and clearly there are ramifications for it. Um, even the youngest sister from um, Mrs. Doubtfire has even had experiences, even as a 12-year-old, having their images spread on pornographic sites. It's insane what they're exposed to. Yeah. yeah. And um, we just wanted to touch on that. Yeah, basically, I just want to say this episode, even though there are a bunch of um, still accusations and just speculations in the stories that we've been telling, we still, we're not gossiping. We just wanted to put awareness 
out there about because what these there are people who have after. came out. There are um people yeah. who have came out, and we don't want to discredit their experiences. Because no, no. if this is what's happening, this shouldn't be happening. This is not okay. Yeah. But we basically just wanted to put awareness out there and talk about what these childhood stars that we grew up with went through and what childhood stars to this day are probably still going through. And we just don't know about it. And we just don't know about it. Who is it to say that the next generation is going to have the same thing happen? It's a constant cycle. As Alice and Stoner basically said, it's a constant cycle that this has been happening for centuries. People are acting out as a result from being mistreated in this industry. And there should be steps taken to prevent this. I know. Our last video was rough. It was our first video. Um, We're still learning the technical issues. As you can tell from the beginning of the video where Hannah's computer glitched out and she had to leave. Um, we're still I live in out. the dead of nowhere. Don't judge my internet speed. No. <laughs> we're still figuring out all of the issues and complications. And Hannah, I just want to put it out here because it wasn't said in the first video. Hannah edits these videos by herself. And she has never edited YouTube videos before. And she edited the first video all by herself. So please bear with us and give her some love in the comments because she deserves it. Thank you. Um, thank you for supporting if you are watching. Um, please tell us if you have any suggestions for other stuff we want to talk about because we would love to talk about it. Educate us. Yes. And like always, thanks for watching. I promise as time goes on, I will make a bigger fool of myself. Oh, I've been making a fool of myself since the first episode. It's okay. The claw. Have you ever seen such a beautiful, such a beautiful night? I could kiss the stars shining so bright. Hannah will do this thing where she'll just start singing a Disney Channel song. And I know so many, like, I have my entire brain is just Disney Channel movies and Disney Channel shows that she will just sing one line of a song and I will sing the entire thing. I I like to think in song. I don't, I mean, other than the really loud clanking noise in my head, I like to think in song. So it's very random. My brain goes beep boop. Beep, beep, Disney Channel. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Beep, Miley Cyrus. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Joshua Bassett. Beep, boop. <laughs> and you're watching Disney Channel. Disney Channel. Anyways, thanks for watching. Be gro- who let us be grown adults, really? Who, who gave us the platform that we have? Who let us record YouTube channel? videos. Do you like how I'm just drinking my angry orchard with a McDonald's straw? Anyways, next video is going to be on Dash Nightmare and how he likes wheat. Oh my gosh. He's so icky.
He likes them dogs. He likes them dogs. He likes them the dogs out. Who let the dogs out? Okay. Thank you. Please subscribe. Um, we'll see you. We're done. Bye. Bong rips for Jesus. <laughs> Did you say bong rips for Jesus?